No, John, that's not the way you start Smart Dribble. You start it this way. <laughs> you go up, not down. You know what your first noise reminded me of, Kurt? It would be like if fun houses with those crazy mirrors actually made a noise. That would be the sound of a fun house, the first one. I like that. I don't know if I could replicate it, but I think that's pretty good. Well, you don't have to replicate it, Kurt. I got good news for you. We're recording this. <laughs> Kurt, it was recently Thanksgiving. I don't mean that, Kurt. It was recently Halloween. Yes. A little holiday confusion there. It's almost Thanksgiving. It was recently Halloween. This is an evergreen podcast, Jones. At some point, we do record between the holidays of Halloween and Thanksgiving. Correct. In fact, we do it every year. <laughs> so guess how many kids we had trick-or-treat at our house this year? I'm going to say post-COVID, pent-up demand. If you were to count, I would say probably a good number, like 326. Okay, that's an enormous number. So you've taken all the fun out of this story. Kurt, how many came to your house this year? Zero. In 20 years, I've never had a trick-or-treater. Two acres only, people don't come. So 326. So you and I used to live in the same town, and I didn't have any trick-or-treaters either. But this year, we had over 200 kids. And while I did not count, I have a neighbor who likes math. In any event, despite having 200 kids, I still have some leftover Halloween candy. And I'm happy to report I'm almost to the bottom of the bag of little Snicker fun size bars. It needs to be over. Yes. I came into New York City and I was with my son who said, look, we're going to be in the city. You got to buy candy in case someone comes. So I stopped at Walmart, my favorite store on the way down, bought a bunch of bags, those little fun sizes, brought them in. We immediately went out to dinner in New York. So no one came anywhere in the apartment. And uh, so now I'm just eating it myself. Well, let me get this straight. You live in your, your house is in an area with two acre zoning. So that it's not densely populated. So you don't get any trick or treaters. When you're in New York City, one of the most densely populated areas in the country, you also get no trick-or-treaters. I'm beginning to wonder if it's you and not your choice of residence. The street I live on in New York City is Halloween Central. Like that. Every townhouse, they go, the townhouses go crazy with decoration. And so it is a mass of humanity and therefore people don't bother coming into the apartment buildings because they just go to all these really cool townhouses. You know what I just found out since you mentioned New York City? I think we both did. Yes, tell me. New York City is actually further south, south, further south than Rome. I did not know that. And I don't think that's true. But if it were true, it wouldn't surprise me because if you look at that latitude stuff, there's a lot of those things that just screw you up. It's like, you know, Atlanta, Georgia is north of like Scotland or Edinburgh or something. There's some crazy things, but okay. So what do you mean it's not true, Kurt? <laughs> so why is Rome, where I was this summer, so darn hot? Was it in the summer, you said? You were there in the summer? Yeah. Do you really want me to answer that question? Because you were there yeah. in the summer? <laughs> Isn't it crazy that New York City is south of Rome? We don't even, there's no way when you think about how we look at the map that we think that Rome absolutely feels like it's south. 
So we're going to spend this episode talking about things that sound not true, but are true. Now, what I've told you about Rome and New York City is true, despite the fact that you rejected it. All right. Do you know things that sound fake, but are true? Yep. You care to share them with our listeners? Every single odd number, and there are what? You have a gazillion of them? Well, gazillion's not an odd number, interestingly enough. <laughs> there are many, many of them. They all have one letter in it that's the same, every single odd number. I think I know what it is because I just thought of two odd numbers, and there's only one letter in common between them. Which? It's the letter E. You're correct. I'm still tickled by the fact that you chose gazillion, which is an even number, to tell a story. And actually, I can prove it. Gazillion doesn't have an E in it. Gazillion and one. Okay, but that's not what you chose. But gazillion and one is odd and meets your test. All right. Let me just tell you why I'm on it, because that was not that crazy. You got it. But here's something that I found that I think is very interesting. Here we go. We as humans, here we go, John. We as humans try to spend our life making sense of things. We want to have patterns. We want to wrap our minds around things, even if things seem crazy and out of complete ordinary. So let me tell you this, John. You throw around, because I've heard you, and many people do too, like, oh, a thousand of these, a million of those, a billion of those. Like, they're all the same number. You're accusing me of confusing thousands, millions, and billions? People, I do it all the time. I, I, I've seen that movie a billion times, right? You might just say there's a gazillion odd numbers, for example. So let me just tell you the difference. If you were to just do seconds to give you a thing, a thousand seconds, when you say, oh, it's a thousand seconds, is about 16 minutes, okay? Yes. A million seconds is 11 days. So don't be saying, I saw it a thousand times or a million times, I think it's the same. And by the way, a billion seconds is 32 years. There is mammoth difference. And we throw them around like they're right next to each other. Well, I think they're all sort of placeholders for a lot, right? They're just different ways of saying a lot. Okay. Right? But I feel a little bamboozled by the whole thing. So I'd like to stick with the geography theme. Right. Okay. So I'm traveling to Beijing, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. And I hadn't been there before. And as you looked across the skyline of Beijing, all you saw were construction cranes. And there was a joke that the national bird of China is the crane because of all this construction. And we've heard about how they all they built all these crazy cities. And like that. I learned two facts back then about China that blew my mind. And I'm going to add a third fact. So now it's going to become a trio of facts about China. So the first one was that China was building infrastructure the size of Houston, Texas, every 37 days. What? So they were building infrastructure fast. Number two. Houston is ginormous. Yes. Number two. Well, how many, how many cities in the United States do you think have a million people? Four. There's probably 10. I don't know. I mean, you know, depending on whether you count the metro area. But your point is the same. There ain't that many. The opposite of gazillion billions. 
substitute a small number, although there are fewer small numbers. There, at the time I was there, there were 161 cities in China with a population of more than 1 million people. And now I'm going to bring it home. So that's what I learned when I was there. That's staggering, right? Well, listen to this. China used more cement from 2011 (laughs) to 2013, that two-year period, they used more cement than the United States used in the entire 20th century. In two years? Well, 2011 to 2013, is that three years or is that that two years? It doesn't change the point. Staggering. Although it does change whether it's three years or two years, whether it's an odd number or not. And if three has an E, two does not. Isn't that amazing? So what they were able to do, boom, like that. By the way, that also helps when there's one government in charge of everything. We're going to do this. And then you do that. But that's geopolitical, and we're not getting into that right now. Okay, we want to avoid geopolitical. All right, this is about facts that seem untrue but are. Doesn't it seem untrue? Yes. There you go. So I'm going to give you one. I met the test. Okay. McDonald's. How many McDonald's do you think we have in the U.S.? You know, the fast food chain. Thank you for explaining who McDonald's was. A lot. A gazillion? I think it's actually an even number. I think it's about 10,000. Thanks to people like Andrew Carnegie, there are more public libraries in the United States than there are McDonald's. So that makes me want to sleep well tonight. And I'm going to sleep well knowing, putting my head on my pillow in the United States of America, thinking there's one shred of decency left in this crazy, tumultuous country we live in. Well. I wonder what year that fact is sourced from, and I wonder if it's still true, because... Well, they still have the libraries. None's going to them, but they still have them. I think public funding has not been going well the last bunch of years. I want to hope that it remains true for the same reasons that you do. Now, here's the question, though. Do you think they're counting those little little free libraries? You know, those I understand. Yeah, there was someone a couple of streets away that they got a little one of those little white boxes up there. Yeah. And, you know, take one, give one kind of thing. Yeah. If they're counting that. I think we should count those because I think we both really want this to be true. Do you want some more geography facts that sound untrue but are true? Sure. But phrase it in a question that's trivia so I can give you an answer. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to pose this as a question. Yeah. What state? is closest to the continent of Africa. What state? What state? What United State? Not Don't give me Nirvana or something. Okay. Which of the 50 United States is closest in distance to the continent of Africa? That was a call out to our like, fourth episode. Well, usually the answer to this question is Alaska, because whenever there's a question about states, it's always Alaska. But Africa, I'm looking at the map, is right here. Maine sticks out the furthest because we did a thing beforehand about the it's the first place to see the uh, sunrise. So Maine is correct. And that's why. Because I went up Cadillac Mountain and it's the first place to see the sunrise in the continental United States. Oh, it certainly couldn't be Florida and work within an episode of Sounds Fake, but is true because I think a lot of people would think it's Florida, right? 
because people think that Africa is further south. You're doing that latitude thing. Yeah, but I once found out that like... You once found out. <laughs> that something way south Africa was like on par with Philadelphia. All right. Which we found out a while ago is Greek for city of brotherly love. And that's probably where we get fellatio from. No? Okay. What's your next fact, Kurt? <laughs> My next fact, I love this because I want it to be true so badly. Scientists have found out, and I don't know how they research this, that goats have accents. <laughs> and that is an interesting question of how they discover that. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm imagining in my head is one goat talking to the other and taking on an accent. Oh, mighty, nice to see you. Should we eat some of the cans? Well, I don't know, sir, if we want to eat the can. Don't you need to speak goat in order to determine? What? Don't, don't you need to speak goat in order to determine whether they're speaking with an accent? Well, that's what I'm saying. Unless they're putting on an accent. Shall we go over to the meadow? <laughs> Not right. We won't go to the meadow. But I said I want to eat, damn it. Well, then eat what you can, will you, sir? I don't want to eat. I don't have any time left to eat. <laughs> I'm, how fortunate are we that goats speak English? Yeah. In weird accents, though. So you made that awkward comment a moment ago about Philadelphia, the, which literally translates to city or brotherly love. I'm going to give you a word that's a combination of two words, but it doesn't break in the spot that you think it's going to break. Okay. No, not that word. I'm going to give you a different word. You must be using filet of, filet of fish. Because that is boneless. <laughs> oh, boy. It's boneless. So the word helicopter, Kurt. Yeah. Very simple, John. Heli. And no one, no one has any doubt why no one comes to your house for trick-or-treating at this point. The word helicopter is not a combination of hella and copter which it sounds like it would be. It's a combination of the word helico, which means spiral, and tur, <laughs> meaning one with wings, like the pterodactyl, which is spelled P-T-E-R-O, blah, 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 blah. So it's helico and tur. <laughs> That's tough to say. I would never have gotten that in a million years. I would have done like... That's why we do this podcast, Kurt. I would have done helicop, maybe, and tur, or hell and helicopter, but I wouldn't have done that. That might be better than I wouldn't have to have said tur a few times. I worked with this guy, Basil, at WWE years ago. Basil? And, yes. And I was talking to Basil one day, and I was explaining some issue we had to come to, and I said, we need to put a good patina on it. And he didn't know what the word patina was. So I told him and he started laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? Because the only time I've ever used that word is when my wife, who happened to name Tina, made some meal that wasn't too good. Tina, what is in this sauce? Is this a true Tina. story? Yeah. Did she put too much basil in the sauce? Not basil. She put If she put too much something in the sauce, she would, he would go, Tina, patina. This sounds like he made that up. No. Maybe he did. You're saying it sounds fake, but it's not. I'm saying he didn't know the word patina before, and he was saying the only way. It said nothing to do with the episode. Oh, well, that's helpful. So I'll ask you another question, Kurt. You will get the answer because 
What is the episode about? Stuff that you think is fake, but it's really true. Right. So keeping that in mind. If it's yes or no, I'll probably get it right. I'm going to give you two choices. Okay. Which one kills more people each year? Uh-huh. I'm going to recommend you choose the one that seems fake. Okay. Because it's going to turn out not to be fake. Okay. Which kills more people each year? Coconuts or sharks? What a random thing. Coconuts. Exactly. <laughs> if we were doing an episode of things that sound true, but aren't, you may have said sharks. Right. Well done. Now, here's the question. Were they coconuts that fell out of a tree and conked you on the head? Or did you make too many pina coladas and you died of like overweightness? Do you like pina coladas and walks in the rain? No, I do not. Rupert, what is his name? Rupert what? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's actually called the pina. It's not called the pina colada song. You know what it's called? No. Escape. And everyone thinks it's called the pina colada song. What's Rupert's name? I don't know. But it was a one-hit wonder to the dunes of the Cape, and we can plan our escape. That's one more hit than you and I have had. Okay. You want one more more geography? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you one that you're going to be telling this at every business meeting from now on. You're going to open up the meeting by telling people this. This is good because I have a meeting with a bunch of people on Wednesday. Sounds not true, but it is. I've now revealed that we're not recording on Wednesday. That shouldn't be a problem. Turtles Mm -hmm. can breathe out of their butts. (laughs) So that has to be true. Or you've just made up the whole thing. That's true. Are you more pleased about that than you are the library McDonald's thing? Yes. Hang on. I can't wait. I have a board meeting this week. I'm going to open it up by saying, just want to let you all know. Turtles can breathe out of their butts. Are you going to bring a turtle to the meeting? I'm not going to give it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Because it wouldn't help. It would be mouth-to-butt. Speaking of butts, I'm glad you brought up butts. It it was inevitable. So you've heard the term buttload, which kind of like billions, gazillions, and thousands and millions, we just sort of use as a sort of a proxy for a lot. So buttload, truckload shitload, F-load, you name it. I don't know why I said shit, but not fuck. That's just weird. So boatload. the word buttload, buttload is actually a real unit of measurement. Before measurements were standardized, the imperial system, which is considered legitimately considered the Wild West of measuring systems, was used. And there was a term, buttload, And it corresponded, it was uh, equal to like 108 imperial gallons or 130 U.S. gallons. It is a unit of measurement. Not boatload, John? But load. B-U-T-T load. One word. Maybe it's because they, it's like the Afrikaner way of saying boatload, because it makes sense if it's gallons of liquid that it would be a boat. But a does your butt hold that much water? Well, why don't you ask the turtle? Yeah, a very big butt would. All right. <laughs> that is all I have to say on the topic of the butt load, an actual unit of measurement in the imperial system. All right. I'm going to give you a second fact 
that you think is not true, but really is. So at the end of the meeting, you can hit them with this. Okay. So open with the turtle, close with the go for it. Humans. You're human. Thank you. It's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Share 50% of your DNA, of DNA, with bananas. Ah, interesting. Bananas, John. Like 30,000 pounds of bananas, a great song by Harry Chapin. So 50% of the DNA of a banana is in common. Well, actually, 50, well, it works both ways. 50% of human DNA is shared with bananas. If you had said a dog, I'd get it, right? If you said a any sort of primate, I'd get it for sure. But a banana? Well, well, what? I think there's I think there's a very high overlap between humans and a lot of living things. I think I saw once that like 97% of the DNA of a tree is in common with a human. So, there must be something about living beings. But the banana is not a living being. <laughs> I see your point. So could you eat a buttload of bananas? I think I could. No. You know why? Because bananas are one of those things like hot dogs. One is good, two is in a row is terrible. What was Gilligan's favorite pie? Banana pie. Banana cream pie. No, I think it was coconut cream pie, but that's close. Good guess, Kurt. Since we were discussing bananas, I think it's only appropriate that you guess that. But upon further review, I think it was coconut cream pie. Now, I don't like coconuts because they kill people more than they more than sharks. But I love banana cream pie. You you a fan? I, I, I'm a fan of pie in general. Yeah, me too. In fact, our first episode, Kurt, was about pies. I'm going to give you. We're not going back there, though. Yeah. The banana. My cousin, the banana. Right. Because 50 percent of your DNA it took me a while to get there. <laughs> Sorry, I was, that was something you just said a moment ago, Kurt. I was trying to build on it. Why don't we transition awkwardly to something else? All right, go ahead, because you can do the last one because we're out of time. All right, this is a great one to end on. This one sounds fake, but is true. I would hope so, John, because that's the episode's topic. Exactly. And I want to be true to the episode's topic, but this is going to be one that you're very happy is true. I'm going to tell you the story of a woman named Violet Jessup. Now, she lived back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And she earned the nickname Miss Unsinkable. That was Molly Brown, John. She takes Molly Brown and puts her to shame. This is the true Miss Unsinkable. I did not know that. The Titanic, referencing, you mentioned Molly Brown, was one of three Olympic-class passenger ships that were built. There were two others, therefore. So there was a ship called the Britannic, which also sank. Before or after the Titanic? The Titanic was 1912. Yeah. The Britannic was 1916. And there was a third ship called the Olympic, which did not sink, but it collided with a British warship in 1911. Ms. Jessup was a stewardess and a nurse on all three of them. Not too bright. You think she would stop after that. So in 1911, she's on the Olympic. It collides with the British warship. The next year, she's on the Titanic. Okay. It sinks. And she's like, you know what? Let's go for the hat trick. The brace is not enough. Let's go for the hat trick. And lo and behold, in 1916, 
She's on the Britannic when it sinks. So if you're friends with her and she says, hey, John, I got an idea. Let's go on a cruise. Run away. Don't do it. So three sister ships all ended in disaster. Two of them sunk. One of them collision. This woman, who was rightfully nicknamed Miss Unsinkable, was on all of them. Maybe she. Maybe the Olympic had like one of those loyalty punch cards. If you go on all three of our ships, you get a free cup of coffee, and she was going for it. Could have been, except she worked there. So she worked for she worked for White Star Lines. All three of their Olympic class ships. That's crazy, right? That that is crazy. You know what? That sounds fake, Kurt, but it's true. Unsinkable, babe. There you go. And you and I are unsinkable as well. So Kurt and I will be back next week with another unsinkable episode of Smart Dribble. Where are we? Promise the dribble and hope for the smart. Exactly right. And uh, we hope your week is filled with smart dribble. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kurt. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao.